Good morning, and welcome to According to the Scriptures. My name is Kyle Webb. I serve as the minister for the Morris Hill Church of Christ that meets in Christiana, Tennessee. I'm happy that you've joined our program today. I'm happy that I'm able to be with you. And that we have this opportunity to study God's Word together. Before we get into our program for today, I will remind you, as I have been over the last few weeks, of our website. If you've not visited our website, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, There's a great deal of information there about our congregation, uh, about our meeting times, and uh, about the the work that we do, and uh, the things that we support, such as according to the scriptures. Our website is www.marshillcoc.org. Again, marshillcoc.org. And a lot of information on there. Uh, But most importantly, you have our contact information on the website as well. Our address, our phone number, and there is a place where you can send us a message through the website. And so I would encourage you to uh, utilize that and, and do feel free to contact us. We would love to hear from you, whether it's in regard to the program or if there's some other way that we can help you, um, please feel free to let us know. We would love to hear from you. Our lesson for today continues what we talked about last week a little bit. We have been in a series on storms of life. And we're talking about how we deal with certain storms of life. We began with Jonah uh, and how he faced a storm of his own making. And we've kind of continued that series and uh, we have looked at where we should go in time of storm, whenever we face a spiritual storm, we should always go to God. And certainly we see that in um, the storm that the disciples faced. They went to the right source. Jesus was in the, the bottom of the boat, and so they went to him when they were in trouble. And it's a good reminder of who we need to, to turn to in our time of trouble. And last week we began talking about facing our storms like Jesus. And we began by discussing the storm of temptation from Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. We looked at the temptations that Jesus faced and how it's a good reminder to us of how we should also face our temptations. We need to face them with Word of God. Jesus used scripture and faith in God to face the temptations that he faced, and he overcame them by doing so. Uh, We also recognize that Satan knows scripture, and Satan is not afraid to use scripture in a twisted form, as the case may be, but he is not afraid to use scripture. And because Jesus overcame in the flesh, we too, also being in the flesh, so to speak, uh, we are humans, 
We have desires. We have uh, things that, that drive us. And sometimes we are tempted by those things. We are tempted by our desire, the things that we see, the things that we long for. And so we have to be careful of the temptations that the world puts in front of us. Careful that we too should overcome. And today I want us to focus on the storm of sorrow. When I originally prepared the lesson of facing our storms like Jesus, I prepared it as one lesson. But seeing as we only made it through one point last week, I decided to break this up into three different lessons. And so today we are going to face or focus on the storm of sorrow. And remember that we are focusing on this from the perspective of Jesus. We are looking at how Jesus faced these different storms. And it's a good example to us of how we should face those storms. We have many things that may bring us sorrow. Uh, one of the, the main things that brings us sorrow, the, the one that comes to mind first and foremost, is death. Death brings us a great deal of sorrow. There is sorrow, uh, of course, to some degree in facing our own imminent death and our own imminent end from this life. But even more so when we face death, the, the death of a loved one, the loss of a loved one, that is one of the, the foremost forms of sorrow that, that I think of, and probably the one that may, may hurt the most, uh, depending on the situation and who it is, and especially if it's someone very close. Um, and I, I think of even recently, I've heard of, of families losing young children, and that's a very difficult thing. There's a great deal of sorrow involved in loss. And in that light, we are going to look at the sorrow of Jesus and how he faced that storm. You see, Jesus was not immune to storms, and especially the storms of this life. Even though he was the Son of God, he still faced the storms that we face. And again, that's one of the greatest examples for us in knowing that the Son of God faced these storms. So we know that if he faced these storms, that we too are going to face these storms and how we face them, how we look at them, has a great deal to do with whether or not we are overcome by the storms or we overcome the storms. Before we get into our lesson for today, let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy and righteous Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many blessings that you've given to us. We thank you for this day. We thank you for our time together. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for the ability that we have to study, to discuss these things, and to have a good understanding of what you have prepared for us. We pray, Father, that you would bless us in our understanding. 
Help us to grow in, in spiritual strength. Help us to face the world uh, that, that we face. There are so many things that, that threaten to overcome us. But we pray, Father, that through your strength and through your will and through the, the, the teachings that we have, that we would overcome, that we would be found faithful. And in the end, we pray that we would find a home in heaven with you as you have promised. We pray that you would continue to bless us throughout this day, throughout our lives, that you would forgive us for our sins. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice that made the forgiveness of sins possible. And it is through Jesus that we humbly pray to you. Amen. Today, we're going to look at John chapter 11, and I would encourage you to turn there and follow along with us. John chapter 11, as I mentioned a moment ago, I I had planned to um, make all three of these things fit into one lesson some way or maybe two, and we're going to space it out. We're going to take our time with this. And so I originally planned to look at verses 17 through 37, but we're going to go back to the beginning of the chapter because there are some things that that we can tie in, that we can can put this context into perspective and, and how we can understand the sorrow that Jesus faced. In John chapter 11 and beginning with verse 1, John chapter 11, beginning with verse 1, I am reading from the New King James Version. We'll begin with verse 1, John chapter 11. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. And Lazarus, of course, was the brother of Mary and Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair. His brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. I want to stop there for just a moment. In John chapter 11 and verse 4, when Jesus says this sickness is not unto death, uh, another way of putting this from the New American Standard, it says this sickness is not to end in death. Jesus knew the sickness with which Lazarus was afflicted. He knew, and he doesn't say that he's not going to die. Jesus knows that Lazarus has to die in order for him to raise him from the dead. However, Jesus does say that this sickness is not to end in death. It is not to end in death. But he knows the purpose of this sickness, the the purpose of the end that will be that the Son of God 
may be glorified through it. And so verse five, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus, her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. Disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Are there not 12 hours in the day? The way that the Jews configured their hours, they, there were 12 hours in the day. And 12 hours of light, 12 hours of night, that's the way that it, it was, as, at least as, as far as I can understand. If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble. And we're not talking about physical day as much as we are talking about spiritual day. Uh, it is a truth that if we walk in the day, you know, if there's light, then we will most likely not stumble. We're not going to stumble at least because we can see where we are going. However, if it is dark, you know, how many times have we gotten out of bed and stubbed our toe in the darkness of the night? When it's dark, it's hard to see. And because of that, that is when we stumble the easiest. Jesus is talking about, uh, when we compare this to God and the light of God, walking in the light of God, we walk in the, the will of God, the promises of God, we, even though we don't know exactly what is ahead of us, we know that God knows. And that keeps us focused. That keeps us on the right path. That keeps us upright. That keeps us from stumbling. Jesus, uh, above anyone else, walked in the will of God. And so that light, that knowledge was a light to his pathway. And it's a light to our pathway as well. He sees the light of the world, the light of the world being God and God's will. Uh, we have God's word revealed to us in the scriptures, and that is God's will. And we walk in the light of God's will. Well, Jesus did that. He walked in the light of God's will. And he knew that this sickness was not unto death, that it would not end in death. 
He also knows that even facing the Jews who had tried to kill Jesus, who had tried to stone him, going back a couple of chapters to John chapter 8, also John chapter 10, verse 31, uh, they had sought to, to kill Jesus, and his disciples didn't understand him going into danger. Why would you walk into danger, knowing that danger was there? Jesus walked in the light of God. He trusted in God. He had faith in God. And we see that evidence, uh, not just here, but also previously, last week in his temptations. He, he goes on to say, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. The disciples didn't understand this. And in verse 12 said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. They didn't understand that, that correlation. But there were a lot of uh, times in scripture, at least, in regard to Jesus, when death is referred to as a sleep. A sleep because it is not the final end. And something maybe even to keep in mind for ourselves is that even our death, imminent though it may be, it will come, we will face death, we will pass from this life. But even when we do, it is but a sleep because it is not. Un, our death is not the end. He knew that the ending of Lazarus was not going to be death. And we know as Christians that the ending of our lives is not going to be death. But that we too will rise again. So much to be learned from that. But in verse 14, then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Thomas was of such faith, and sometimes we um, kind of take that away from him whenever we uh, read this in the context of the book of John. And we read uh, about what happens later on in, I believe it's chapter 21, where he he wants to, to see the, the scars in the hands of Jesus, to know that it's him, to reach his hand in his side, to know that it is him. But Thomas was of such faith here that, that he said, let us also go, that if he dies, that we may die with him. And the focus of our lesson is really on verses 17 through 37. So let's read those verses, and then we'll make some points here. John 11, verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. 
Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection. At the last day, she believed in the resurrection. Uh, There was a a great contention between Pharisees and Sadducees as to the resurrection. And the way that I was always taught as a child, Sadducees were sad because they did not believe in the resurrection. And so we had this great debate. Well, Martha knows that, that the resurrection will happen. She believes in the resurrection. She has faith in in God in that regard. And Jesus said to her in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. She had a great faith in not only God, but in Jesus as the Son of God. And when we believe that, we see that that's the establishment of the church right there. The church is founded on faith. Jesus promised that it would be founded on faith. Faith in Jesus as the Son of God, such as the confession that Peter made. I believe that you are the son of the living God. And Jesus says in Matthew 16 that based on that faith, that is what the church would be established on. And it is. The church is still established on a faith in Christ as the son of the living God. And so we make that great confession even today when someone obeys the gospel, we ask them to make that confession that they believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and that he died for our sins. In verse 28, and when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, She arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The same thing that Martha expresses. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. They had faith that Jesus could heal the sick. They had probably witnessed that, I would imagine. They believed that Jesus could have healed him. But they weren't as sure beyond that. They didn't know. They didn't have anything to base uh, that, that faith on because they had not seen it happen. 
And therefore, in verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned. When he saw her and, and the Jews weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Quickly, I want to read through verse 44, and then we'll go back and make some observations. Verse 38, then Jesus again groaning in himself came to the tomb. It was a cave. And a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus didn't ask that his prayer be heard because he knew his prayer was heard. He didn't ask for power because he already possessed that power as he expressed in John chapter 5. But what he's praying here is a prayer of thanksgiving. And it's a prayer as an example, almost like the model prayer that he gave in Matthew chapter 6. It's an example to the people that they may believe that he was sent by God. Verse 43, now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus come forth, and he who died came out bound, hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Now we can focus on the the this raising of Lazarus, there, there's much that we could compare that to, but our focus today is on the storm that Jesus faced in sorrow, the storm of his sorrow. I want you to go back to verse 36 for a moment and notice what it says. This is right after the shortest verse in the English translation of the scriptures, Jesus wept. But in verse 36, the Jews said, see how he loved him. He wept. He sobbed. Uh, he was sorrowful over the passing of Lazarus, but I think more so over the loss that Mary and Martha and the Jews that were around them had suffered. He was sorrowful for them. Sorrowful. Nonetheless, did he not know that he would raise him from the dead? Absolutely, he did. You can go back to verse 23 and find that your brother will rise again. 
Jesus knew what was going to happen. He knew that his sickness was not unto death. It was not to end in death. But he was sorrowful over the loss of Lazarus. He was sorrowful for his friends. He had great empathy. Maybe sympathy. One of those words is probably better than the other. He, he empathized with them, though. He, he, he could sympathize with what they were doing, with what they were feeling. He understood, and he was sorrowful. Jesus sorrowed over the loss of his friend, just like we would. And maybe we sorrow more with the loved ones left behind. But Jesus was in sorrow. And it's not the only time that he is in sorrow either. Uh, we'll look a little bit more about that in, in his suffering in Luke 22. We'll look at that next week, Lord willing. But I want you to recognize that Jesus also faced the storm of sorrow. And when he did, what did he do? He turned to the one who could relieve him of that sorrow. His answer was God. Jesus turned to the will of God to be able to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew that he could do that, and, and he knew that he would do that. But I also want you to recognize that we are not alone in our sorrows. Whenever we do face sorrow, and we will, we are not alone in our sorrows. Jesus was not alone because he had God and because he had faith in God. But also Mary and Martha were not alone because they had Jesus. And we know that we are not alone because we have Jesus. That he is facing our sorrows with us, that he is bearing our burdens uh, the whole reason that he, he gives us the invitation to come to him in John chapter 11, or Matthew chapter 11, sorry. So I, I want you to recognize that, that when we are in sorrow, we are not alone. Jesus was not alone. We are not alone either in, in knowing that Jesus is with us, that he is bearing those sorrows with us. I, I'm running really short on time, but I thank you for being with me today. And I invite you to come back and, and be with me again next week, Lord willing, Tuesday at 11 a.m. as we study another portion of God's word together as we continue this discussion of facing the storms like Jesus. And I hope that we do face our storms like Jesus, storms of temptation, storms of sorrow, and, and as we'll look at next week, storms of suffering. Thank you for being with me today. I, I pray that you have a, a great week ahead of you. And until we meet again, may God bless you. Be my